2: is the Pack-A-Day Podcast. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of a -a Pack-A-Day Podcast, wherever you may be and however you may be listening. Thank you so much for making us part of your day. My name is Nick Schmitz, and I will be your host for today. Uh, You all got a treat last week as I was not part of the podcast. You just got to hear Jacob and Maggie and... Oh, I'm so embarrassed, Maggie Jacob. Uh, help me out, your third Perry pers- Goldstein. Perry Goldstein, yes, uh, is i um, I'm sure she'll be contributing from time to time with the Pack a Day podcast, especially on this one. As Maggie, I'm going to let you plug your new podcast where they're here real quick, uh, which is titled "Packs What She Said" on She Said TV. All right, awesome. Well, uh, so welcome back. I know, like I said, you got a break from me for a week. Now you're stuck with me again. Uh, but don't worry, we have another special guest joining us today, so I will be uh, quieter than usual. So, uh, But I want to start today's podcast episode before we get into the nitty-gritty of our topic for today. Um, you've probably seen it by now. Uh, Ian Rappaport reported last night on Twitter uh, that a potential playmaker, playmaker quotes, Uh, if you want to call it that. Uh, Hitting the free agent market more than likely. Uh, The Packers right now, it sounds like, are not expected to bring back Jimmy Graham. So however you feel about that, I'm sure all of you listening have a very strong feeling one way or the other uh, about that news, but sounds like Green Bay kind of hitting the reset button again at the tight end position. Yes, they do have some young and upcoming talent, but It is what it is, Green Bay, so Jimmy Graham, two years, Green Bay, 33-year-old, more than likely not back for the 2020-2021 season with the Packers. So just a little bit of news to keep you up to date if you hadn't already seen, but uh, so today we'd been promoting over the last couple of weeks, Uh, we wanted to get a listener in on the podcast with us, wanted you to throw out your best topic idea for the podcast for the off season, and we have our winner, uh, Jay Nault, as he per, uh, let us know. It's Malt with an N. Uh, Jay, uh, so Jay, I'm going to bring you into the program here now and just kind of give us a little bit of a background about yourself, introduce yourself to the audience, and, and once you've done that, uh, let the audience know the topic that you came up with for today.
3: Sure. Hi, everybody. Glad to be here. Uh, you've already heard my name. I was born and raised in Green Bay. uh, I lived there until I went to college at Madison. Uh, After that, went out to Oregon for law school. And then I've been in San Diego, but thanks to things like the, uh, the internet and TV, you can still follow the Packers as much as you want, regardless of where you live. So that's what I've been doing. And you know, it's still an event. There really is no off season anymore, as we all know. So I've been listening to your podcast online and I'm, I'm glad to be here. Now, in terms of what you asked us to offer you, it, it goes back to a couple of weeks ago when one of my two-and-a-half-year-old sons was not sleeping one night, so I was up with him, and I wound up in a YouTube rabbit hole. 1995 divisional playoff game where Green Bay went out and basically slapped the 49ers around. I hadn't seen that game for, I don't know. And as, as I sat there watching it, I noticed that uh, you know things were very set in terms of the premium positions on both sides of the ball. You had Jerry Rice, you had had Robert Brooks, you had Favre, you had Young, you had Reggie White. I can go through the rosters, but the point is there were five or 10 guys on each roster that were very, very highly paid. It was kind of the beginning of the salary cap era too. And then a bunch of guys who were, it was kind of not bad players, but definitely not anywhere near uh, the level of economics that the stars were. That's, still largely the same. Then you look at what's going on now, and it kind of hit me. Boy, teams don't look at positions, I don't think, the same way they did even 10 or 15 years ago. So I wanted to maybe discuss you know, what used to be, uh, I, I think, viewed as premium positions. I don't think that's that as it was in, say, 2000 or 2005 or even 2010, if you look at the title team from 10 years ago now. So – I just wanted to bring that up and see what everybody thought because I, I have some thoughts on it, but I do think it's it's definitely changing. It's going to continue to change.
2: All right. Well, so there you have it. So the changing value of positions, as seen by teams, uh, based on how they spend and draft, and how it's different than it was. Even heck, I mean, even at this point, maybe even five years ago, but definitely ten, fifteen, twenty years ago, and. Uh, Jacob I want to bring you in first here because uh, you kind of you wrote something similar to this on a certain position running back being one of them uh, specifically about Aaron Jones and whether or not the Packers should pay Aaron Jones so just looking at the value of running back uh, that certainly seems to be one of the positions that has changed over the years so Uh, Jacob, just kind of take us a little bit into that running back position, where you value it and where you think the Packers should currently value it.
4: Uh, I don't value it is kind of where it's at. Uh, I think it's the least important position uh, other than maybe inside linebacker, which oddly enough are two positions. If we had done this show pre-Eddie Lacey – uh, those are positions that every Packers fan was clamoring for them to fix. So, six, seven, eight years ago, whenever Eddie was, uh, officially drafted. But my thought going into, uh, the, the piece that I wrote was essentially that a new contract for Aaron Jones to me, assuming normal rising of the cap is a, a bad idea. And the reason for that is first and foremost, every team in recent memory that has given out a big contract has regretted it within two years to a running back. The examples I gave were David Johnson, Todd Gurley, and Devontae Freeman. All three of those guys have been rumored to either be on the trading block or the chopping block, depending on the cap situation of that contract. David Johnson is essentially untradeable because of the dead cap that would come um, with getting rid of him. For the Cardinals to get out of that contract, they would essentially have to do, I'm sure you guys remember, I believe it was the Texans traded A second round pick with Brock Osweiler to get out of that deal, basically, and kind of treated it like an NBA trade where you give up an asset to get rid of a crappy contract. And my thought on that is yes, Aaron Jones was a great player last year, and a lot of people probably think he is an absolute 100% must sign type of player, but So were these guys at the time of their contract. And I'd be willing to bet you that next year around this time, we'll be hearing some whispers out of Dallas about Zeke Elliott as well, a contract that was a disaster uh, when they handed it out, quite frankly. But my thought on Jones being Aaron Jones is almost the perfect example for why you don't pay Aaron Jones. When the Packers went into that draft, Ty Montgomery was their starting running back. And a lot of people thought that Eddie Lacy was going to come back on a cheap contract, and then he kind of surprised – all of it. Well, I guess I can't say all of us, but I was definitely surprised to find out that he was going to Seattle. Uh, I didn't think that Green Bay would let him go out the door, especially if it was going to be for, it turned out to be 3 million bucks. Uh, with that in mind, that tells me the Packers didn't value him very highly either. But nonetheless, they picked three running backs in that year's draft. Jamal Williams, Aaron Jones, and Devontae Mays. Aaron Jones is a star. Jamal Williams is a very useful player. That's kind of the proof of where you can just find those guys. Those weren't premium picks. Those weren't high picks. All of those picks were outside of the top 100. And Aaron Jones was picked, like I said, in the fifth round. That's uh, not uncommon. You see guys like Philip Lindsay. He was an undrafted free agent. He won the rushing title a year ago. The, you can find running backs anywhere, and that is especially true in this system that Matt LaFleur is trying to run. Very similar to the one. That Kyle Shanahan is running that just had an undrafted cut seventy five time Raheem Mostert be the team's most productive runner on its way to the Super Bowl. So I know that, you know, kind of to Jay's point that he was talking about earlier, somebody said to me immediately after, you know, I said don't pay Aaron Jones, somebody said, Well, yeah, the the Colts didn't think Marshall Falk was worth his contract either. Well, a couple different things. One, Marshall Falk's a Hall of Famer. And I love Aaron Jones, but Aaron Jones is not a Hall of Famer at this point. Maybe he could be, but he's definitely not right now. And two, that trade was made in 1999. So that was a really long time ago, and the game was played a lot differently than it is now. So that's kind of my thought process. I still am pretty firm on it. I know a lot of people don't like it. I've had a lot of people say that Aaron Jones is a player that they, quote, have to sign. I I just don't think so. And I think if you look at Aaron Jones, that's kind of the reason why.
2: Well, and, you know, Jacob, that that hurts me just a little bit because you know how much I love Aaron Jones. But the reality is, is, you know, the the game has changed. You know, Aaron Jones 20 years ago probably would have been a very highly paid back and would have been kept around a lot longer, but that's just not the reality of the NFL anymore. Maggie, you know, one of the things that I I think of when we talk about this is – you know, Brett Favre was the first quarterback in NFL history to have a hundred million dollar contract, and now that seems like if you could get away with just paying a you know a quarterback of that talent a hundred million dollars, you you'd take that every day of the week. Uh, so, talk a little bit about the change in position as far as the cap is concerned. The quarterback position has always been deemed relatively important. For obvious reasons but why so much emphasis now on it it almost seems like if you don't have a quarterback now in the NFL you can't win whereas 20 years ago if you didn't have a quarterback yet was still tough but it didn't spell doom for your team and I even think of certain teams like the 2000 Ravens who had you know a great defense and i can't for the life of me think of the name of the quarterback right now uh but yet, got to a super bowl and won even the bears jake uh, not jay cutler uh rex grossman made a super bowl you know as as weird as that is to think but players like that now more than likely wouldn't make a super bowl so what is it about the game that's changed that really makes it that you need to have a quarterback
5: I don't know if the game has changed because I think that the quarterback will always be the most vital position in football, you know, because they're touching the ball on every single play. But I think that the way that you can build your team with the cap space is what's so important here. I mean, if you look at a lot of the teams that have had recent success, you know, the Rams went to the Super Bowl when Jared Goff was on his rookie contract and then they had to pay him big money and then they didn't get back to the playoffs. So I think there's like this sense of urgency when you have a rookie quarterback because you're able to spend so much of your cap on additional talent. And the Rams did that where they bolstered their entire defense. You know, they gave Aaron Donald big money. They were bringing in free agents left and right. And they're still somehow trying to do that with, you know, obsolete cap space. Um, But it's like the Bears, too. They went after Khalil Mack. Uh, while Mitchell Trubisky's on a rookie contract. And then when these teams are now forced to consider giving a quarterback big money, they don't necessarily have the money that they're able to invest on a Supreme talent because so much of their roster is built around other positions. Um, and I think to Jay's point, I guess something that I would add to that is that I think just kind of the, the way the NFL looks in general is so radically different. I think that before you had your starting 11 on offense and your starting 11 on defense, and even in the last five or so years, it's been, we have players. It's a chess match. We'll plug them in as we see fit. We need freak athletes um, who can come in on certain downs and make plays. Um, and that's why I think the cap space is is so astronomical now because you, you're forced to pay guys that have to fill very different roles. Um, so like inside linebacker, like Jacob said, you know, as much as the Packers – even this year we'll still be looking for an every down guy, which they had in Blake Martinez, which they had in AJ Hawk. The goal now, I think for them, I mean, there's so many sub packages in Mike Patton's defense that to think that they need somebody like Blake Martinez in the middle of the field. I don't know how realistic that necessarily is when you think of all the, you know, the hybrid box safeties that can drop in, um, you know, the different packages that Mike Patton utilizes with his front seven. So I guess my position example would have been inside linebacker and kind of how that's changed um, from being like an every down thumper to maybe like, you know, a coverage linebacker or a, a run stuffing linebacker. But I think the quarterback position by nature will always be the most important position in football. It's just kind of depending on where your franchise is at. Can you invest the big money in like an Aaron Rodgers contract or a Kirk Cousins contract even, or are you, going to kind of push all your chips onto a rookie quarterback and instead build around the supporting cast because no team is really able to do both effectively. All right. Well, Jay, I want to bring
2: you in now. This is your question. Uh, So how have you seen it change over the last 10, 15, 20 years, and why do you think some of that change has come about?
3: Well, I think if you really want to go down to the
2: foundation of it, I think it's become more of a league, as Maggie alluded to.
3: And I look at someone like a Belichick made him quote famous was we don't have a tailored specific offense. We just make a new game for the week. Well, in order to do that, you have to have multiple pieces as Mike McCarthy used to say, we have to be multiple. I think what that did started to started to place a premium on positions that could be inherently multiple. And just look at what green Bay has been trying to do. What they did at safety last year, they invested a first round pick traded up for it, put a pretty big, relatively big free agent contract into Amos now, to be fair, safety was a disaster before that for years because I think that was sort of the old way of thinking about safety. I mean, 10 years ago, there weren't a lot of safeties that were chosen higher, paid that highly, except for the real elite, elite guy. Because what they did is they roamed around. They You had one guy who roamed around the middle of the center field, tried to pick things off, another guy who blitzed, and, and that was it. You know, your butler, Eugene Robinson pairing. Another one in Green Bay had this well yet, or at least succeeded, tight end. Uh, I mean, someone like uh, a Zach Ertz, for instance, or um, – Kittle. Kittle's going to make enormous money when his, when his deal is up. You know, I don't know if that would have happened 10 or 15 years ago. You know, if you look at the contracts, and I know you have to put it in present tense or present value, whatever you want to call it, Chimura Keith Jackson, neither one of them had huge contracts. I mean, they were big, they were fine, but they're not what Kittle's going to get. And then, you know, the reason is those guys create matchup problems. They allow you to, to have more of an elasticity in your game planning from week to week. You can put those guys out wide. You can have them block. You can put them in the backfield. With the safeties, you can do the same thing. You can play them a linebacker. You can put them in center field. You can have them cover the slot. You can have a tight end or a running back that catches passes and that kind of thing. They can do a lot of things. You know, uh, safety is something is a position. I know we talked about running, or you talked about running back, and I agree with Jacob. One that I think has, has come up in value seems to hang on to their good kickers, kind of like a Mason Crosby than they used to. Those guys used to be in and out the door every year. Nobody cared, and now I think because there's so much parity. A couple of kicks in there can be the difference between the playoffs and non-playoffs. Um, you know, Crosby, nobody flinched when he got $4 million a year. You know, even in 10 years ago, money, I think people would have fallen off their chair if they had read that. So that's why Longwell left when he did. They weren't going to pay Longwell big money or, or people like that. So I think that's where we're starting to see value come up in certain positions. And to Maggie's point, I've been wondering about this too, in terms of where it might change next, specifically quarterbacks. Is it just going to be the standard norm five years from now to go ahead and pay your quarterback, even if it's an Aaron Rodgers or a Russell Wilson or whatever, percent of your cap, and then just try to fill in around that? Or are you going to have teams maybe, and this is a little wild, have a stable of young guys where ever have to eat that 35 $40, 50000000 million contract a year because, you know, look at what happened to Seattle when they had to pay Wilson. I mean, look what, to your point, look what happened to the Rams when they had to pick golf, who really isn't a big title league quarterback, but you got to pay him that way. I wonder if quarterbacks aren't going to be devalued per se, but if you're going to have sort of a, a split between teams that aren't going to pay, you know, whatever reason, top dollar for a quarterback and teams that will. Because if you look at the last few years, a lot of quarterbacks are on rookie contracts have been winning Super Bowls or you know, like, like an outlier like the Eagles, where they had a guy in a rookie contract, but he got hurt, and it was a, not a big money backup that came in. So, you know, one guy gets hurt, Eric's hurt, we all see what happens. <laughs> so, um, but if you've got a good team around him, I just wonder if more teams are going to move towards that model.
2: Well, it'll be interesting to see, nonetheless, how the game continues to evolve, and it's it's evolved over its 100-year history. It's just a matter of how it evolves and what direction and I'm sure it'll evolve again in the next 10-15 years might even be shorter than that so it'll be something to keep an eye on and it's definitely an interesting uh, topic as a whole looking at past present and moving to the future what teams value what they put value on where they're willing to spend money where they're willing to go cheap on and uh, you know it's something that's just it's fluid and it's ever-changing and you know Just kinda like the quarterbacks in the last ten years. We thought these contracts were outrageous and now they're normal, and I'm sure that at some point it's gonna change to another position, that they're getting paid enormous amounts of money, we'll think it's we'll think it's absurd, and then five years in it'll just be normal and that's how it'll be. So um well, real quick guys, I want to get all three of your real quick takes here before we wrap up. I'd mentioned at the beginning of the podcast that Sounds like Jimmy Graham's not going to be back. Uh, again, I'm sure everybody's got some feelings on it. Um, but, uh, Jay, I'll start with you. Jimmy Graham not coming back next year means what to you?
3: Very little based pretty much on what they were paying him. If he was a three, $4 million a year guy, I think they should have him back because I don't think he played that badly. Uh, he just was wildly overpaid. Uh, you know, the search continues uh, since Jamar Jackson and for maybe a flash in the pan couple of years of family before he got hurt. And they had any kind of game breaking tight end. No. So, and he wasn't that.
2: All right. Well, Maggie to you, Jimmy Graham, not, and, and I, I'll put this out here. Cause we all know the answer. There was a Twitter poll. Uh, that was put up, that uh, who would you rather have, 33-year-old Jimmy Graham or 2015 Richard Rodgers? If any of you know Maggie, you know the answer automatically. But uh, Jimmy Graham not coming back next year means what to you, Maggie?
5: I think Jay said it best. I think it means that the Packers are still searching. And I think, you know, going to Robert Tanyan as tight end two is maybe, it's fine, but it's probably not their best option. You know, they tried... Uh, Martellus Bennett they've they tried Jared Cook they've had so many different attempts at fulfilling this tight end position like Jay said they just haven't had someone consistent and this is going to sound like a Richard Rogers stand, and I totally get it but he was at least a consistent player for the team Andrew Corliss was a consistent player over a couple seasons and Hopefully the Packers have that in Jay Sternberger. Maybe if they go land a guy like Austin Hooper, there's your tight end duo for the future as Hooper and Jay Sternberger. But I think that that's kind of what they're missing. The same way that the Packers, you know, have Devontae Adams as a staple of the offense, you know, in the receiving game, they need a tight end who can be a staple in that room. And they're just kind of grasping at straws. And as much as I love Jimmy Graham, you know, as a a locker room guy. And as much as I really actually, I would love to see Mercedes Lewis come back for a year or two. I think that that's kind of what's missing is just this team has consistently been searching for a tight end. And I hope that Jay Sternberger is that guy, but we don't have enough to go off of to even guess at whether or not that would be the case.
2: All right. And lastly, Jacob, Jimmy Graham, not with Green Bay next year means what to you?
4: Yeah, it's unfortunate that it worked out the way that it did. Um, Jimmy Graham's somebody that I've long admired uh, from his days in New Orleans, probably because I had him on a couple of my fantasy teams and he lit it up. But uh, in general, I always like I like uh, athletic move tight ends. You guys will see in the Cheesehead TV draft guide uh, the past couple of years the guys that I have valued. The reason I had Noah Fant rated above TJ Hawkinson last year, which was a relatively controversial opinion was because I thought Fant was more dynamic with the ball in his hands. Now that remains to be seen if that's going to end up being the case. Jimmy was like the ultimate of that guy. Rob Gronkowski, obviously awesome, but Jimmy at his peak was a more dynamic player uh, from the receiving end. Rob Gronkowski is one of the greatest tight ends ever, if not the, because he's so good all around at everything. He could probably play offensive tackle if you asked him to uh, at some points in his career. Anywho, the point I'm getting at is, you know, I think that the reason Jimmy Graham catches so much hate, one, Jay mentioned his salary. Uh, That's not his fault, Um, and I'm not saying that Jay was saying that it was, but that's not his fault that he was given that contract. That's the market value, and he was able to get a good contract like that. Good for him. Uh, The other thing is the move that happened right afterwards was that Green Bay signed Jimmy Graham, and release Jordy Nelson within a matter of minutes. And even though those two moves aren't connected, that's what it looks like. And there are a lot of people, Jordy's a fan favorite, uh, deservedly so, Packers Hall of Famer, and Jimmy Graham is neither one of those things. Um, but I kind of said earlier that I don't hold a vendetta against him. Uh, he played okay. Uh, like Jay said, if he was a three to $4 million player, we'd probably be saying what a good value we're getting out of Jimmy Graham. But he's not. Uh, it's time to move on because, one, maybe they're pursuing Austin Hooper. Even if they're not, it's time to get the keys into some younger players' hands. Uh, the Packers have just had some – I know that people are going to say that the Packers have continued to try and fail at the tight end position, but, I mean, Dingling McGee, which is Jason Perone's affectionate nickname for Martellus Bennett, nobody could have foreseen that coming. Uh, and before that, Jared Cook, I think his – contributions tend to get a little overrated because it was just over half a season but he was a pretty good player for that half season with Green Bay Uh, Jimmy Graham obviously didn't work out but I really like Jay Sternberger I like his potential if they can pair him with Austin Hooper that's awesome I think that's a bonus uh, but not really a necessity if that makes any sense but certainly a welcome addition if that's something we're talking to but I wish Jimmy well unless he ends up in Chicago Minnesota Seattle Dallas or with wherever Tom Brady plays
2: All right, so there's a handful of exceptions here to Jake, as always with Jacob. So, Um, Well, so that's all the time we have for today. Jay, thank you so much for taking the time out of your day to join us uh, for this recording. We really appreciate the time. We appreciate the topic as well. Very interesting, uh, especially for this time of year, it is a very interesting topic to discuss leading into free agency and leading into the draft, especially with, you know, It being so important these days, how it has changed, you know, from even five, ten years ago. So, great topic. Thank you for joining us, Jay. We really appreciate it. And for all of you Packer fans out there listening to the podcast, once again, we thank you for all of your support, um, especially sticking with us through this time of, well, we're still what? Well, I guess free agency is what? Like two weeks away is that right two
4: weeks two weeks from today as we record in the draft is 50 days from today i saw
2: all right so yeah we're we're getting to more well i guess the free agency thing is all dependent on what green bay does but regardless of what they do we'll definitely have something to talk about it'll either be the new additions or it'll be the lack of new additions to the team so uh stay tuned for that we've got so much great coverage coming up Uh, Again, one last time, Jay, thank you for the topic. Thank you for taking the time to join us. We really appreciate it. Your thoughts, your insights as well. So with that, thank you so much for listening, everyone. And as always, Go Pack Go!